Welcome to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome this Saturday morning. And as always, I pray and hope that you're doing well. I hope this day finds you in good health and in good spirits. And I thank you for joining us. I know how precious your time is. So I thank you for joining us here on Saturday morning with Dan Brown. Here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Should you have any questions about today's program or a program from the past, or maybe even something that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, please contact me at Saturday Morning Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. That's Saturday Morning Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. I have an interesting program today. Um, I have a, a prolific writer who is definitely a prophet of his day. And some of you who are, who are deep studiers will recognize this name. But his name was A.W. Tozer. And he was a preacher. And he was preaching back in the 60s. He's no longer with us. But the words that he spoke back then, the testimony that he, that he shared with congregation after congregation was very powerful and very prophetic. And I've I been given some material by a, a very close pastor friend of mine. Um, and as he read it, he hadn't read it in a long time, uh, he said to me that, Dan, this, this is right on the money. This is what we're experiencing today uh, in our churches and, and in our uh, you know, in our congregations among our people, what is happening? And uh, obviously, the spirit of the Lord was upon uh, A.W. back then, and he was given the ability to share things that we needed to look closer at, you know, decades ago. And maybe had we looked at it decades ago, and many of these men like A.W. Tozer who were there preaching and sharing, um, had we paid more attention to what was being said, maybe the church would find itself in a different position today. Maybe not. You know, God's will is done regardless of what we do anyway. But I think uh, this particular um, sermon or writing uh, called The Waning Authority of Christ in the Churches, I believe it hits home so solidly to us today. And so let me let, let me share this with you because I believe that these writings are are very important. Um, most of these things that you can get for for uh, for free, it's not a self help book from a religious leader somewhere trying to do this or that or a fancy calendar or anything like that. These are strictly his words, which he wrote and shared with no fee and no charge. And here's what our friend brother Tozer shared with us back then. Here is the burden of my heart. And while I claim for myself no special inspiration, I yet feel that this is also the burden of the Spirit. If I know my own heart, it is love alone that moves me to write this. When I write here, it's not a sour ferment of a mind agitated by contentions with my fellow Christians. There's been no such contentions. I have not abused 
I have not been abused or mistreated or attacked by anyone, nor have these observations grown out of any unpleasant experiences that I've had in my association with others. My relations with my own church as well as with Christians of other denominations have been friendly and courteous and pleasant. My grief is simply the result of a condition which I believe to be almost universally prevalent among the churches. Hmm. I think also that I should acknowledge that I myself am very much involved in the situation I here deplore. As Ezra, in his mighty prayer of intercession, included himself among the wrongdoers, so do I. O my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. Any word spoken here against others must simply and simple honesty returned upon my own head. I, too, have been guilty. This is written with the hope that we all may turn unto the Lord our God and sin no more against him. Let me state the cause of my burden. It is this. Jesus Christ is today almost no authority at all among the groups that call themselves by his name. By these, I mean not Roman Catholics, nor liberals, nor the various quasi-Christian cults or religions. I do mean Protestant churches generally, and I include those that protest the loudest that they are in spiritual descent from our Lord and his apostles, namely the evangelicals. It is a basic doctrine of the New Testament that after his resurrection, the man Jesus was declared by God to be both Lord and Christ, and that he was invested by the Father with absolute lordship over the church, which is his body. All authority is his in heaven and on earth. In his own proper time, he will exert to the full and exert it to the full. But during this period of history, he allows this authority to be challenged or ignored. And just now it is being challenged by the world and ignored by the church. When we do this, we must accept the Christianity of our group as being identical. Think about this. Again, what we do is this. We accept the Christianity of our group as being identical with that of Christ and his apostles. The beliefs, the practices, the ethics, and the activities of our group are equated with the Christianity of the New Testament. And whatever the group thinks or says or does is scriptural, and no questions are asked. It is assumed that our Lord expects all of us is that we busy ourselves with the activities of the group. In so doing, we are keeping the commandments of Christ. To avoid the hard necessity of either obeying or rejecting the plain instructions of our Lord in the New Testament, we take refuge in a liberal interpretation of them. 
Causetry is not the possession of the Roman Catholic theologians alone. We evangelicals also know how to avoid the sharp point of obedience by means of fine and intricate explanations. These are tailor-made for the flesh. They excuse disobedience, comfort carnality, and make the words of Christ of none effect. And the essence of it all is that Christ simply could not have meant what he said. His teachings are even accepted theoretically only after they have been weakened by the interpretation. Yet Christ is consulted by increasing numbers of persons with problems and sought after by those who long for peace of mind. He is widely recommended as a kind of spiritual psychologist with remarkable powers to straighten people out. He's able to deliver them from their guilt complexes and help them to avoid serious psychic traumas by making a smooth and easy adjustment to society and to their own ids. Of course, this strange Christ has no relation whatsoever to the Christ of the New Testament. The true Christ is also Lord. But this accommodating Christ is little more than a servant of the people. But I suppose I should offer some concrete proof to my support, my charge, that Christ has little or no authority today among the churches. Well, let me put a few questions and let the answers be evident. What church board consults our Lord's words to decide matters under discussion? Let anyone reading and me sharing this who has had an experience on a church board try to recall at times or a time when any board member read from the scriptures to make a point, or when any chairman suggested that the brethren should see what instructions the Lord had had for them on a particular question. Board meetings are habitually open with a formal prayer and a season of prayer. And after that, the head of the church is respectfully silent while the real rulers of the church take over. And let anyone who denies this bring forth evidence to refute it. For I, for one, will be glad to hear it. What Sunday school committee goes to the word for directions? Do not the members invariably assume that they already know what they're supposed to do and that their only problem is to find effective means to get it done? Plans, rules, operations, and new methodological techniques absorb their time and their attention. The prayer before the meeting is for divine help to carry out their plans. Apparently, the idea that the Lord might have some instructions for them, never so much as enters their heads. Wow, does he have it spot on? You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And we're going to take a short break and continue with Brother Tozer right after this. Stay tuned. So what is Talk With a Purpose? It's a lively, informative, number one rated talk show on Saturday morning. Hi, this is John DeMassey. Join me and my guests every Saturday from 9 a.m. till noon for Talk With a Purpose, heard right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And if you miss it on Saturday, we replay it on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. 
Don't miss Talk With a Purpose, Saturday and Sunday, right here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. And as always, we truly appreciate you taking the time and listening to our program week after week. I just want to thank you for all your comments and your encouragements. It's uh, really wonderful to hear from you. Thank you so much. And if you should have any questions about today's program or something about from the past maybe or even something you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, please contact me at Saturday Morning Dan Brown at Yahoo.com. Again, you're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Today's program is really a quite interesting program. I've read a lot of this particular gentleman's work. His name is A.W. Tozer. Way ahead of his time, prophetic uh, in his sermons and in the sharing of the gospel that he did with all those that he encountered with different congregations. And um, many books have been uh, uh, written later on. I don't know if there was actually books that were put together in the book form when he was still alive, but there's lots of compilations uh, definitely after his passing. And so much of what he wrote is really applicable to today, what we're experiencing within our churches, within our cultures. And uh, I am just amazed, um, but delighted to see that God's spirit remains consistent. And that's the thing that we need to understand all the time is that God doesn't change. He's not changing his mind along the way to do something different. He sends his word out, and the promise is, is that his word will not return unto him void. What he has said and what he has spoken will be accomplished. And that is promise from the creator of the universe. And, of course, we know in, in the long game, the word is the son. The word is Christ, as it says in John 3.16, you know, as it's shared all through that he was the word. Ah, it's unbelievable. It's, It's so excellent to see all of this fulfillment. So when it's talking about way back in Genesis when you really want to tie this together and, and move from the milk into the meat. When God spoke, God was speaking words. When God the Father spoke words, the Son was who enacted those words. And that's why Jesus, it talks about Jesus being with the Father before the world or the universe was even created. And through him, all things that were made, all things were made through him. So I want to encourage you to seek your Savior. And I want to continue sharing these wonderful words from A.W. Tozer. And there's a po- there's a sharp point on the end of this because it retrospectively makes us step up to the mirror and look at ourselves as who we are when we're claiming to be believers. Have we 
remove Christ's authority? Have we weakened Christ's authority within our churches? Think about that. Has that happened? And I'm not saying that's everywhere and everyone, but it's certainly plainly obvious that so many places are concert halls and so many are social clubs. If you hear more about how you love this church or this group than you hear for the love of Christ, it's not working the way it's supposed to. Remember that. Remember that. All of us, the words that are on our lips should be sharing and loving Christ. And when we love Christ, we will obey. Because he said over and over, if you love me, you will obey me. So the, the, the word love, there is an action to it. There, there is obedience in loving. They're tied together. They can't be separated. It is not just a word that is banted around. It is something that has a very deep tying in to the God of creation. So where we left off, um, where we're talking about committees and how, how often do committees sit down and do deep prayer to the Lord about what they should be doing? And I think we've all sat in meetings and participated in many things like this. And if anything, I'm not looking to point fingers. What I'm hoping happens is that there's just some thoughts about how we strengthen what we do, how we make assured that it is God's will that's being done and not our own. And here's where I left off with my brother, A.W. Tozer. Who remembers when a conference chairman brought his Bible to the table with him for the purpose of using it? Minutes, regulations, rules of order, yep, they're all there. The sacred commandments of the Lord? No. An absolute dichotomy exists between the devotional period and the business session. And the first has no relation to the second. What foreign mission board actually seeks to follow the guidance of the Lord as provided by his word and his spirit? They all think they do. But what they do, in fact, is to assume the spiritualness of their ends and then ask for help to find ways to achieve them. They may pray all night for God to give them success to their enterprises, but Christ is desired as their helper, not as their Lord. Oh, let that sink into your heart. Let that take deep root into our souls. These harden into policy. And again, human means are devised to achieve ends assumed to be divine. Don't we fall into that continually? And these harden into policy, and therefore the Lord doesn't even have a boat. In the conduct of our public worship, where, the, where is the authority of Christ to be found? The truth is that today the Lord rarely controls a service, and the influence he exerts is very small. 
We sing of him. We preach about him. But he must not interfere. We worship our way. And it must be right because we've always done it that way. As have the other churches in our group. What Christian, when faced with a moral problem, goes straight to the Sermon on the Mount or another New Testament scripture for the authoritative answer? Who lets the word of Christ be final on giving, on birth control, on the bringing up of a family, on personal habits, on tithing, on entertainment, or buying, or selling, or other such important matters? What theological school from the lowly Bible Institute could continue to operate if it were to make Christ Lord of its every policy. There may be some, and I hope there are, but I believe I'm right when I say that most schools to stay in business are forced to adopt procedures which find no justification in the Bible they profess to teach. So we have this strange anomaly. The authority of Christ is ignored in order to maintain a school to teach, among other things, the authority of Christ. This causes backup decline in our Lord's authority are many. Let me say that again. The causes backup the decline in our Lord's authority are many. Yet, I only name Two. One is the power of custom, precedent, and tradition within the older groups. These, like the gravitation effect of every particle, religious practice within a group, exerting a steady and constant pressure in one direction. Of course, that direction is towards conformity to the to the status quo. And the same thing is passed over possibly to a slightly lesser degree into the other groups, such as full gospel tabernacles and the holiness churches, the Pentecostal and the fundamental churches and the many independent and undenominational churches found everywhere throughout the North American content, continent. The second cause is the revival in intellectualism among evangelicals. This, if I sense the situation correctly, is not so much a thirst for learning as a desire for a reputation of being learned. Because of it, good men who ought to know better are being put in a position of collaborating with the enemy. We're going to take a short break, and then I'll go on for that explanation. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, and we're listening to the words of A.W. Tozer. You should look him up and take the time. Again, you're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. 
News. I'm Karen McHugh. Tens of millions of Americans along the East Coast are at this moment in the teeth of a bona fide blizzard. We are expecting to see anywhere from five to eight inches in Philadelphia across western New Jersey. And then we could see along the Jersey Shore a foot of snow. Even greater than that, getting up into Massachusetts, coastal Massachusetts, two to three feet of snow. Fox Weather's Jane Minar. The buildup of Russian forces along the Ukraine border is alarming the Pentagon. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says Russian President Vladimir Putin has amassed enough forces near the Ukrainian border to seize cities and significant territory. And so it's very concerning. Austin and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs General Mark Milley agreed they do not believe Putin has made a decision whether or not to invade. Fox's Jared Halpern. America is listening to Fox News. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Winter weather alert with Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. Good morning. It is a mess out there as snow continues to pour from the sky and our blizzard, our nor'easter, rages on. On the ground right now, over a foot of snow for at least Cape May and Ocean County, Atlanta County is probably right in there too. So that's causing some challenges. Of course, you add in the wind and that snow is drifting and it's blowing around, making visibility near zero, near whiteout. So the usual advice applies. If you don't have somewhere to go, it would be a good idea to just stay tight. How much more snow are we going to see? I could see anywhere from four to six inches of additional accumulation on top of what's on the ground before this thing starts to wind down later this morning around 10 a.m. Of course, we're still going to be with the snow and the wind until sometime this afternoon. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow on the Town Square, New Jersey Weather Network. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Again, welcome this Saturday morning, and I'm prayer and and hope is that you are doing well and in good health, and that the Lord is lifting you up every day, and that each day you are drawing closer to the creator of the universe, and that your salvation is drawing near. That is my hope for you, because Christ's hope is that we will engage in this intimate relation, not with a theory, but with an individual. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He seeks an intimate relationship, so intimate that he refers to the church as a bride, talking about the intimacy between a bride and a bridegroom. And ours is so much deeper and so much more. He seeks to be the Lord of our life and present with inside us the Holy Spirit, living, guiding, and directing us submitting and surrendering our will so that God's will could be done in our life. And that is my prayer for you today, brothers and sisters. That is my hope. And as we continue today's program on some writings of A.W. Tozer, he was very concerned about the waning authority of Christ in the churches. And he held himself, as I do, as part of the, the very issue that we talk about, I'm in the same place that he was, in the same way involved in church groups as he was. But he was honest enough and prayerful enough and filled enough with the Holy Spirit to let his eyes see clearly 
to what was taking place around him within the church body. And honestly, where do you think the God of this world, Satan, that old dragon, evil incarnate, where do you think he seeks to disrupt? Do you think he cares about all the things that go on in the world? The Bible says the devil has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They have no clue as to what's going on. His, his disruption and his efforts are against those who are faithful and claim to be the bride of Christ. If you remember in Revelations, it talked about that great dragon waiting to swallow up the child that was being born. That is his goal, the destruction of all that is good and righteous and merciful. It's so filled with rage and jealousy and envy that there is no pure thought, only destruction, wickedness, and evil. And as a church, if we remember when Jesus told Peter, the devil has petitioned to have you destroyed. There's an apostle with Jesus, and Jesus is telling him. He's right there wanting to devour you. Woe to you inhabitants of the earth because the devil has been cast down, and he's seeking to devour and destroy. What is he seeking to devour and destroy? Not those that are already participating in wickedness. Now, why would he destroy them? They're already doing what he wishes. He's looking to destroy the body of faith. He's looking to destroy the church. Unless we be vigilant in continual prayer with our Lord and our Savior, submitting and surrendering our will to his, we take the chance of falling like many have in the past. And there's many stories in the scriptures that those have, who have given into evil in the end. And that's not who we want to be, brothers and sisters. So I hope that we, these words that A.W. had shared with us, this was back in the 60s. And this is still as relevant today as the Bible was when it was written uh, during the apostles' times. Nothing has changed. Man's desires for power and money and greed and lust, none of that's changed. We may wear different clothes and we may drive vehicles instead of horses. We may live in houses of sheetrock and studs instead of clay and mortar. We may eat some different kinds of foods and our medical attention might be uh, more than it has been and better than it's been in ages, but the results are still the same. Man's wickedness is still there. And so I implore you, I pray for you, that you seek God in the uttermost intimacy with him and surrender your will unto his. So here's what our brother, our brother goes on to say. Here's what he goes on to say. He's very clear in, in kind of what he wants us to understand. And, and you can tell through these readings, if you're paying attention closely, the Holy Spirit is definitely guiding these words, guiding what he was doing and what he was putting together. 
So we talked about the causes of, of revival and intellectualism being more prevalent among evangelicals. But so much more, our evangelical faith, which I believe to be the true faith of Christ and his apostles, is being attacked these days from many different directions. In the Western world, the enemy has forsworn violence. He comes against us more with a sword, and he's now come smiling, bearing gifts. He raises his eyebrows to heaven and swears that he too believes in the faith of our fathers. But his real purpose is to destroy that faith, or at least to modify it to such an extent that it no longer the supernatural thing that it once was. He comes in the name of philosophy or psychology or anthropology and with a sweet reasonableness urges us to rethink our historic position, to be less rigid, more tolerant, more broadly understanding. He speaks in sacred jargon of the schools and many of our half-educated evangelicals run to fawn on him. He tosses academic degrees to the scrambling sons of prophets as Rockefeller used to toss dimes to the children of the peasants. The evangelicals who with some justification have been accused of lacking true scholarship now grab for these status symbols with shining eyes. And when they get them, they are scarcely able to believe their eyes. They walk about in a kind of ecstatic unbelief, much as the soloist of a neighborhood church choir might were she to be invited to sing at the La Scala. For the true Christian, the one supreme test for the present soundness and ultimate worth of everything religious must be the place our Lord occupies it. Think about that. Is he Lord or symbol? Is he in charge of the project or merely one of the crew? Does he decide things or only help to carry out the plans of others? All religious activities from the simplest act of an individual Christian to the ponderous and expensive operations of a whole denomination may be proved by the answer to the question, is Jesus Christ Lord in this act? Whether our works prove to be wood or hay and stubble or gold and silver and precious stones in that day that will depend the right answer to the question. What then are we to do each one of us must decide, and there are at least three possible choices. One is to rise up in shocked indignation and accuse me of irresponsible reporting. Another is to nod in general agreement with what is written here and what you're hearing, but take comfort in the fact that there are exceptions, and we are among the exceptions. The other is to go down in meek humility and confess that we have grieved the Spirit and dishonored our Lord in failing to give him the place his Father has given him as head and Lord of the church. 
either the first or the second, will but confirm the wrong. And the third, if carried out to its conclusion, can remove the curse. The decision lies with us. A.W. Tozer. It's interesting in his writing and so many things. Again, this was written back in 63. The insight that the Holy Spirit had given this man to share with the church was incredible. But yet we see the church moving towards the exact things that he described. Why? Why, after we had fought so long, why, after we had maintained Christ in our hearts so long, why do we begin to give in? Do we think that he's not coming back? Do we think that he's just a symbol, as, as Tozer mentioned in, in that second to last paragraph? What is it that is removing the authority of Christ from our churches? And my prayer for you today is that you take the time to think, where are you with this? Are you happy in a social club? Or are you following Christ in every way, shape, or form that you can possibly do? Do you seek him endlessly? Is your love manifest for him in your obedience? I pray that you carefully take the time to contemplate and seek the Lord's instruction for which way you are to go. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5, and we'll be right back after these few short messages. Stay tuned. If you're wondering what to do with your money in these unusual economic times, or if you have questions about retirement planning, IRAs, 401ks, or taxes, then listen to The Heart of Your Money, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG, featuring author and financial expert Joe Yakovich. The Heart of Your Money will focus on you, your family, and your financial portfolio. The Heart of Your Money with Joe Yakovich, Saturday morning at 8 on WPG Talk Radio. Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And welcome back to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Again, welcome this Saturday morning. We thank you all for tuning in and taking the time to listen to our program. We truly appreciate all your questions and your comments. Should you have any, or should you want a free Bible? If there's a, if you need a Bible, you don't have one, if you like something new and maybe a little more modern translation, you know, contact me at Saturday morning, Dan Brown at yahoo.com. That's Saturday morning, Dan Brown at yahoo.com. And I just, again, you're listening to Saturday morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And it really has been my pleasure to continue bringing this program to you week after week and year after year. An interesting thing for us as the, as the program we're talking about today um, is uh, it was a, a, a man well before his time, I would say, um, uh, very prophetic in his teachings. But his name was A.W. Tozer. 
And there's a few writings that I've read from Tozer. Um, Man, the dwelling place of God. What a be- what a wonderful uh, compilation uh, of uh, A.W. Tozer material. Also, there's a, another uh, wonderful book, and these books are around for very inexpensive. And um, who put Jesus on the cross? I mean, there's just uh, lots and lots of uh, wonderful material um, that's out there by Tozer. And when you read what the Holy Spirit was guiding this man to say, you will see how it relates. He was prophesying. Uh, whether he knew it, whether he didn't know it, he was prophesying about what would be happening within our churches, within our world around us. And it is very, very relevant today. And so one of the things that I think that we're very cautious that the Bible uh, really warned us about um, and is very clear on is the fact that um, we find this scripture in 2 Timothy 4. It's an interesting scripture. And it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heed to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And who is that that's turning away from sound doctrine? People that were once listening to sound doctrine? Hmm. Uh, more modern translation may say, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Even another, more even closer, for the time will come when people will not put, sound, put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And we are certainly in that time period um, seeing this. And it's more prevalent and more prevalent as we see the church being attacked by false doctrines in every direction. If you call out a sin, you're prejudiced or you're bigoted. You're Not at all. Are we believing that we can change the principles and the structure that God has set in place for the faithful to attain eternity, to attain, excuse me, eternal life? We just pick and choose. Well, he didn't really mean what he said. Oh, he doesn't really say that. That's not really how it was meant to be taken. How often do we hear that? And I'm certainly not saying to be haters of any people. I'm not saying be haters of any individual or or authenticity or anything, because we are all created equal in God's eyes. What places us in God's heart is our willingness to surrender our will to his. And my hope is, is that is what we're taking away from the program today. That as we listen closer, if you've got a chance, you can go online and re-listen to this, uh, to our discussion today and, and hear Tozer's words more deeply or even find some of his material. And I, as I look through the bookstores of people who are claiming to uh, writing this book and that book for this thing and that thing, all about God, when the Bible is so simplistic 
and we're seeing God changed into this complicated, well, God can't be that simple. Can faith really be that simple? It is that simple. That if you love me, Christ said, you'll obey me. And it is that simple. And by submitting and surrendering our will to his, he will fill us with the comforter. Remember, he said, I must go because if I don't go, the comfort, I can't send you the comforter who will teach you all things. And so that is our desire. Our desire is to be taught all these things that are of God. Not our own will, not our own fleshly ways, which lead us in every direction, but the direction, (coughs) excuse me, but the direction to our Savior and the direction to attain salvation through our Savior. These are very, very important things that we as believers need to focus on. Oh, my goodness, do we need to focus on we're not looking to be in a social club. We're not looking to be to, to follow some kind of symbol. We are looking to develop and be in an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. I cannot stress that enough. And you and I can't drag anyone into the kingdom We can't force anyone into the kingdom. That's the whole idea is their decision is theirs. We make that decision. Thankfully, God allows us to be able to handle and plant that exceptional seed, that kingdom growing seed that the Holy Spirit makes flourish inside each one who truly submits and surrenders. I cannot stress that enough of how important that is for us to surrender our old ways, our old life to our Savior. He has done no less. He sacrificed his life for us. He shed his life so that we may be reunited with God the Father. Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. And there's a lot of people who can try to twist that to mean many, many, many other things other than what the actual word is saying. And the simplistic answer is the truthful answer that Jesus is praying that we may become and one with the Father and the Son as they are to each other. It is an incredible offer for humanity. And there is an adversary, as we spoke of earlier, there is an adversary who seeks to undermine, who seeks to change the truth, even if it's only slightly. Because remember, it says that the the devil has become an angel of light. In coming an angel of light, it's a pretending. He's a pretending because it's much easier to divert it a little bit, push it to the left or push it to the right, than try to blot out Christ's existence. Blot out what Christ has done for humanity is much easier to divert it to the right or to the left than try to say that it doesn't exist at all. But you, brothers and sisters, need to take hold of what the Lord has put before us so that what we seek we stay on the path to attain. 
and the way to attaining what God has offered each and every one in humanity is to be one as he and the Father are one. So much more along with that. And don't let your Christianity be complicated. Don't let your walk of faith be twisted up in man's rules and regulations. God has laid out a perfect structure for us throughout the scriptures if we only take the time to listen. So often we listen to a scripture being read, but we're so talked down to that we don't, couldn't possibly understand what that verse just said. So we have to have someone interpret it for us. Well, I will tell you, in learning and teaching, that is truth. But there is not a point in our life of where everything that is said that we read into the Bible must be interpreted by someone else for us. That is not the case. And saying I believe is not only is not the final answer to what we are doing in this walk of faith. Because it says even the demons believe and tremble. But the key is, as Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you'll obey me. So loving Christ is directly tied into obedience to him. And it is the obedience that shows the manifestation of our love for him. So seek to do God's will. Seek to do God's will. And study the scriptures. Study those scriptures. Study to show thyself approved. Take the time to study. Fellowship with your brothers and sisters and seek the words of Christ, ignited in us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, brothers and sisters. You're listening to Saturday Morning with Dan Brown here on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It has been my pleasure to share this message with you today. God bless.